Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grabs that tape. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. we got a great episode for you today. Last week we talked about the quarterbacks and running backs that are entering the NFL, all those rookies, where they're going to slide into February ADP. We're going to cover the wide receivers and tight ends this week. First, though, we should bring in my cohorts for the episode as always matt price and ryan mcdowell matt how you doing bud doing well dan you know getting into these rookies excited to talk with you guys again today about them yeah getting into rookies we're getting into new leagues there's all these great ideas popping up everywhere people coming up with good ideas and talking about them on twitter starting up new leagues uh ryan mfl transferred everything over so we're already talking 2021 and it's a pretty exciting time for us as dynasty managers yeah, for sure. I, this is uh, one of my favorite days or one of my favorite weeks of the year when we get the MFL rollover, at least one of my favorite from a, a dynasty perspective. We get the new rookies in there, and, and for me, uh, the, the ADP guy, that means we start seeing these guys pop up in our ADP data, which is really what we're talking about these past two episodes. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the the ADP and the change and all the new players. There's also a lot of work as commissioners. The three of us all, yeah. we we all commission leagues. We have to fire them up, but man, it's the work that we like to do because uh, it means new new blood, new new uh, new energy, especially with all these rookies. And let's talk about some of them. Uh, we're gonna start with the wide receivers, guys, and then we'll get to the tight ends. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, what we did is we pretty much just tried to handpick each of these rookies that are incoming and try to manipulate the ADP, figure out exactly where they're gonna fall in ADP based on January ADP. Uh, obviously, things are gonna move around. Um, the order won't be exactly the same this month as it was last month. But we'll try to get a general feel for where we expect them to go. And then maybe between the three of us, we can figure out, and this is a fun exercise for this reason, we can figure out how high we are or if we're especially low on a specific prospect before these uh, all this data is available. Ryan, you're starting to collect this data already. It'll be out relatively soon. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's probably one of the most anticipated sets of ADP that we see every year. It really is. It, it definitely gives us a, a starting point for these rookies. And uh, I, I kind of mentioned it last week. Really what we see from this February data is, is these players um, have lots of room to grow. So if you're in an early startup draft, investing in rookies or rookie picks, if you play that way, is, is usually wise at this point because those players – uh, the the players that you might get with those picks are going to gain value not only in the coming years but even in the next few months and uh, we're kind of seeing that we do have 
we, we've got early returns on some of this data, so some of the top players that we'll talk about today, uh, it was tricky for me because I had to make my predictions, and then I was able to look back and see where they actually are. Um, so after we go through each player, at least the guys at the top of the ranks, um, I'll be able to to kind of give some spoilers here and and oh, reveal sweet. So sneak peek. Yeah, reveal where they actually are in our ADP. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier about where we where we might fit these guys in. Uh, glad to hear that you have some of that data already. Let's get right to it. We might as well start at the top. Uh, I don't know if it's consensus, but man, everybody that I talk to, everybody that watches a lot of college football or is into these rookies. This Jamar Chase kid from LSU, man, he's good. And uh, probably going to be the first wide receiver in most drafts. Matt, we might as well start with you. He's a tough one to figure out um, just because there's, you know, he's so talented. And, you know, even though we don't know exactly um, where he's going to land and what offense he's going to be in, it feels like this guy is going to go high in startups. Yeah, it's always tough with these guys that that missed the last year before the draft, and you know this this time it was you know uh, uh, his choice, and and I I certainly can respect that, but it's hard, you know. We, we think we we've seen enough on film from from the 2019 season, but every single per, every every single player on that team was was good and became good in the NFL, right? We, you can argue that he was better and more valuable than Justin Jefferson was at LSU. So if that's the case, then I mean we we have to put him number one. But it is interesting that we have a guy number one who we didn't see at all any play at all last year, right? So um, he is my he is he is my one too. Uh, but it's it doesn't feel as strong, you know, as 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 the wide receiver one perhaps in the past has has felt. So, uh, I have him down at wide receiver fifteen to start uh, as my projector where he might fall in ADP. And for me, uh, looking at January's ADP here, we I would fall after T Higgins and just before Mike Evans because I think T Higgins' stock is still very very high, especially with Burrow there and coming coming back in twenty twenty. And I think people, or excuse me, twenty twenty one. And then Mike Evans, I feel like people are down on. He's going to be 28 going into the next season so that feels like a good spot you know just kind of right outside that that wide receiver one range uh where we often see uh, the top one or two rookies land uh, in that uh in, in, that, in that kind of range there yeah absolutely sharing a brain on this one i have a one spot higher just ahead of t higgins uh in according to january adp so that puts him right behind dj Moore. And honestly guys i think there's probably a case to be made if you're sitting in a in a draft room and doing a startup right now that you might want jamar chase ahead of dj Moore and maybe some of these yeah. other names even ahead of him um certainly though ryan it feels like this is the range where he belongs yeah i think so and uh, dan i think i ended up with him uh, with Jamar Chase in the same spot you did. That wide receiver 14 between DJ Moore and T Higgins was my projection. And I did a, I, I did a study a couple weeks ago and, and posted this on DLF, uh, basically looking at the incoming rookies who debuted as top 12 assets or top, top 12 players at their positions. We've seen it with a few quarterbacks. We've seen um, a handful of running backs. Tight ends have been really, uh, really popular. We've never had a single wide receiver, and this dates back to 2012 uh, or 2013, I'm sorry, since we started collecting ADP at DLF. Uh, we've never had a single wide receiver debut as a top 12 guy and and now we now, now that we've all shared our thoughts, I can <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't keep us waiting. <laughs> uh, it it still hasn't happened. Still hasn't okay. happened. Jamar Chase is wide receiver. You kind of set us up 
there. I, I really thought you were going to say, hey, and he came in at number 12, so we can't say it any longer. No, the, the trend continues. Jamar Chase is wide receiver 16. So Dan, I'm sorry, uh, Matt was closest. I think Matt said 15. Uh, and again, we're seeing, uh, obviously, the rookies inserted into the player pool. But also, of course, as we do every month, we're seeing uh, the veterans move around in, in very different orders, uh, even than the previous month. But uh, right now, Jamar Chase is a fourth rounder. He is the wide receiver 16, as I mentioned. He's actually just right behind, one spot behind Mike Evans, uh, one spot in front of Keenan Allen. So that's the territory he's looking at. Um, this And this is... Another topic that we hit on last week where we see some uh, some value differences between our our dynasty ADP and our trade data because if you tried to trade uh, Mike Evans for, you know, the 1 2, the 1 3, where, wherever you project Jamar Chase to go, <laughs> yeah. that would not go very well for you, I don't think. No. Uh, I don't think you would even sniff uh, that trade. Um, so again, that's just just some of the value differences between um, those, those brand new leagues and uh, existing leagues that are out there. So that, that's where we've got Chase right now. And we'll see that throughout this exercise. Uh, we'll continue to mention one of these young players next to a veteran that you say, well, I couldn't pull that trade off. Right. I know that. So uh, it's just something that we deal with and, and really all of us deal, deal with as dynasty managers. Let's move on to the next name on the list, Ryan, because uh, this, this class is stacked at wide receiver. We're going to go four five, maybe even six deep of potential wide receiver ones on NFL teams, guys that can make an immediate impact. Where do you have your next guy? Um, this wouldn't necessarily be my my wide receiver two in the class. I think it's still, at least for me, uh, up for debate. Kind of the spot is open. But I do think Devontae Smith will be the, the next receiver off the board in our ADP. And I projected him as uh, wide receiver 24 this month. That would be, based on last month's data, between Jerry Judy and Kenny Galladay. So that's kind of the range I was looking for Smith. You hit on it with Chase that, for most people, he's the wide receiver one. And I think the further we get from the from the college football season, where obviously we did not see Jamar Chase, we saw Devontae Smith put up maybe... Dominate. Yeah, maybe the best <laughs> wide receiver, college wide receiver season ever, or at least in the conversation. Uh, but I think the further we get from that, Chase will will continue to to stake that claim as the wide receiver one for dynasty and and probably for the NFL draft as well. Yeah, it really feels like he's going to pull away as things move on. I I was a little more bullish, I guess, and maybe I'm a little bit higher on Smith than you are, Ryan. I had him up at 21, so just a few spots higher. That would put him between in the Juju Smith, Schuster, Brandon Ayuk range, according to. Uh, January ADP. I actually wrestled with myself just a little bit on considering putting him even higher because it feels to me, and I, I maybe I let my own bias come in. I think there's a big difference between Chase and Smith. Uh, I think the market might have him a little higher. So I guess if I had to bet, he'd be closer to 20 or 21. Uh, but I, I don't. I have no problem with where you had him at 24. Matt, you be the tiebreaker here. Where did you put Devonte Smith? 
I'm unfortunately not going to be a tiebreaker because I'm right in the middle. <laughs> I, got, I have met wide receiver 22 just after Brandon Ayuk and before another rookie we're going to talk about, so I can't uh, I can't spoil that yet. Um, so yeah, right in that you know right right in that early 20 spot. So just just one spot after you, I think, and, and a couple of spots before Ryan. So we're all in the same range, I think. There's a lot of veterans right in right in here mixed with some yeah. younger players right in this range. I mentioned Juju, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned Judy and Galladay. Deontay Johnson is in this range, and then young guys like Chase Claypool. Then we get into Cortland Sutton and Tyler Boyd. So this is a range where it feels like a handful of perhaps these rookie wide receivers could fall. I'm on the edge of my seat here, Ryan. Where does Smith fall in the latest ADP? Matt is on his game. He is wide receiver 22, just like Matt said. Well done. He is between uh, – that makes him an early fifth rounder, by the way, and that puts him between two of the guys we've mentioned, Brandon Ayuk and Deontay Johnson. Very good. So uh, I think we're all relatively close, but Matt's putting on a clinic here. Uh, we're going to have to start – Is this Dynasty game night? Did we, did we, are we playing <laughs> Dynasty game but night? Yeah, there's guys? a big prize coming up your way here, Matt. Uh you might as well kick us off on the next name because Jalen Waddle is another guy with immense upside. Another Alabama receiver, of course, had a big season, not like Devontae Smith, but uh, certainly was in nobody's shadow. A, a, a really, really polished receiver coming out of Alabama and a guy that lots in the dynasty industry really like and think of him as one of them dark horse guys that uh, might be down a few pegs on the wide receiver list, but not because of a lack of talent. Yeah, he's an interesting case. Uh, I, I still have a, more work to do on him, I think, but I, I really I think this is probably a very generic com- comparison. But to me, I get shades of Henry Ruggs with him. Uh, and, you know, argue what you want about Ruggs, whether it was a landing spot, how he was used, whatever it was, the reason why it didn't work out. You know, I think he's a little bit more polished than Ruggs is uh, in terms of route running for sure. Um, but he is not – I don't know, and I don't know if you listed these wide receivers the way you were ranking them or anything, Dan or, or Ryan, uh, but Waddle is definitely not my wide receiver three. Uh, I, I have him down farther uh, on my list. I have him down at wide receiver 27, and I think that comes out just after Chase Claypool there. Uh, and before DJ Chark, something like that. All right, so not that far below these other names. Uh, still in that wide receiver three class, that group, for sure. Um, we'll get to the guys that you have above Waddle. Ryan, how about you? Where do you where do you have Waddle in the class specifically, and then how do you how do you feel about where he'll fall in ADP? You know, I I think one of the themes of this exercise and and really of this episode for me with these young wide receivers is just the depth of the position because yeah I kind of thought about it um even before I looked at at our previous ADP and think you know thinking where where might Chase land oh he's a top 12 top 15 guy where might Devontae Smith definitely top 20 and basically I wanted to squeeze all of these guys into the top 20 25 and and as I was looking at at the names um who are actually in that range. I mean, we're talking about Cortland Sutton is wide receiver 26. Um, Will Fuller is wide receiver 33. Jalen Rager, uh, a player that we were all chasing last year, wide receiver 34. Julio is 36. Odell Beckham's 37. Just the depth of the receiver position in general right now basically led me to push a lot of these players down lower than – I guess was my gut call. So 
with Jalen Waddell, and I ended up uh, ranking him or, or projecting him in a similar position to the next three guys we'll hit on. But Jalen Waddell, I put at wide receiver 29. That would be between Cortland Sutton and Tyler Boyd. Okay, so I guess I am the highest of the three of us on Waddle. I, I kind of think he's closer to Smith than Smith is to Chase, if that makes any sense. Uh, I put him right after Jerry Judy, so that would put him at wide receiver 24, I guess, just inside that wide receiver 2 range. I, I think there's a group of young receivers, rookie receivers right here, and we might as well lump these guys in with Waddle a little bit. Rondale Moore out of Purdue and Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, a couple Big Ten receivers that, man, Rashad Bateman is good, guys. He's really good. It's hard to yeah. it's hard to watch him and not come away thinking that he's going to make an impact and, and could make it really early in his career. Uh, I I I really couldn't put a lot of difference between Waddle, Moore, and Bateman. I put them all in the same group, really, right in that right after Jerry Judy and and before and mixed in with Chase Claypool, right in that 26, 27, 28 range. Uh, that might be a little bit higher than than some of you, but you mentioned some of those names, Ryan, and, and maybe you and I differ just a little bit on this. When I saw the, some of those names like Chark and Sutton and Boyd, Adam Thielen's in there, Cooper Cup even uh, got down to Robert Woods. I see that group, and I, I think I would like to roll the dice on one of these young receivers with the big upside like Bateman and more. So I ended up putting those as high-end wide receiver threes rather than taking the veteran options. Uh Tell me how you differ. Where do you land on these two Big Ten receivers, Ryan? Yeah, those those were the three I mentioned that I had all together. So I've got Waddle, Waddle 29, Rondell Moore 30, Rashad Bateman 31. I totally agree with you that, uh, that Bateman is the real deal. He was another one, of course, whose value and uh, projection and has, has really gotten hurt by um, – by what we've seen of the past year and, and COVID and everything else. He opted out. He opted back in. He opted out again. He kind of struggled when he was on the field. But um, I hinted earlier that Devontae Smith might not be my wide receiver too, and it's because of Rashad Bateman uh, that he wouldn't be. So these are not these are not in order uh, of my rankings, but really just uh, kind of how I project the, the ADP to be. And I think we all said our Jalen Waddle projection – um, so I'll go ahead and reveal he's actually wide receiver 30. Uh, I think I won that one. If, if we are playing game night, Matt, I had him at 29. Uh, so a little bit lower than, than you guys had him, I believe. I, you know, I really guys, I, it is a lot of fun to go through this and you know, my, my personal rankings and you can find those on DLF, uh, those rookie rankings are, are very different compared to what the, what these this order that we're doing this. We're trying to get our fingers on the pulse of the community and how ADP is going to fall. And of course, all that data is going to be available to us. We'll, the three of us will have plenty of opportunities to uh, dissect whether we like Smith or Waddle or more Bateman or, or even Chase for that matter better than one of the one or all of the other guys. Matt, when it comes to you in this group of receivers, Waddle, Moore, Bateman, how do you, how do you think they they line up as far as the community with this ADP? 
Maybe I'm missing missing the the pulse of the community, so to speak, on, on Bateman because I had him up just one spot after Devonta Smith up at wide receiver twenty three, so uh, quite a bit higher than you guys. Well, I guess not quite a bit higher, but you know, somewhat higher than you guys. Uh, and then Rondell Moore, I feel like he he's my wide receiver four in this class, and I like him. You know, maybe not as much as Bateman as my, as my wide receiver too, but I like him inside the top five there for sure. Um, but it seems like just conversations I've had with people and and talking and, and seeing like some some blowback on Twitter a little bit that Rondale Moore is a little bit lower for for the community. So I had him at wide receiver thirty, which I think is where Ryan had him. So uh, maybe he gets the same kind of uh, uh, feeling from the community, and that that falls right after Court. Excuse me, yeah, right after Court and Sutton and before Tyler Boyd. So kind of in that range, I think I would prefer Sut- having Sutton to him. Uh, but you know, I'm happy to take a shot on on a guy like that before you know someone for me uh, that doesn't isn't nearly as high on Tyler Boyd. So kind of right in that range. So Bateman higher, uh, Waddle in the middle, and Rondell Moore uh, towards the end, just based on conversations with people. Yeah, still in that group, that same group that we were talking about for the most part, starting with maybe Deontay Johnson and Jerry Judy, and then going down to the Sutton and DJ Chark and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I think it's relatively close, for sure. It, it feels like we're all in the same group. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Well, the, I mean, the crazy thing is, just even having this conversation, one of these players, right, Smith, Waddle, Moore, Bateman, one of those guys is going to be the wide receiver five in this class. Yeah. And available probably with Disgusting. your with your ninth <laughs> or your tenth or your eleventh pick in rookie drafts, and I mean that's that's great. It's this is going to be another huge class, and it goes back to the depth of the position that we were talking about. I mean, we're seeing in Superflex League Rondell Moore jo- jo- drop into the early second. Like yeah. that is like I, I, I that is so much fun. I, I cannot wait for that. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and you know, there's so much still to unpeel on this onion and try to figure out exactly where where these guys are going to end up. We haven't even gotten all these guys through their pro days and and all the information that is kind of slowly sifting in and and coming through for us. Uh, Landing spot, of course, and what offense they land in, that's going to be a lot of fun to see as well. So that puts us through more in Bateman. Ryan, before we move on, do uh, do you have some updated information on those two guys? Because... You gave us the info on Waddle where he landed in, in the February ADP that's still to be released. How about Moore and Bateman? Yeah, these are basically the last two of the receivers that we have full data on. Again, these these mock drafts are in progress and hopefully will be posted on DLF within a week or so. Uh, Rondell Moore is the wide receiver 34. That makes him a sixth rounder. And Rashad Bateman is the wide receiver 38. That puts him early in the seventh round. Uh, both of those guys, pretty nice values, in my opinion, at that at that spot. Yeah, for sure. I, I need to start selling these copies of, of all these other names that we've talked about <laughs> for some of those late draft picks, early second rounders even, as Matt just suggested. You can get your hands on Rondale Moore early in the second round. Man, that's that's a bargain for sure. Uh, let's move on to the rest of the class here, Matt. Uh, Terrace Marshall and Tylen Wallace. Let's, let's group some of these guys together as well. It uh, feels like there's a little bit of a line between Bateman and the rest of these guys as as we went Waddle more and Bateman, then then maybe there's a tear break and we start talking about some of these other names. Yeah, I think I think there is a pretty big tear break, but once you get outside the top five there and Waddle's Waddle again for me is closer to the the start of the next tier than the the end of the the previous tier. Um, but yeah, Terrence Marshall I have all the way down at wide receiver forty six. 
uh, just after Michael Pittman and before Corey Davis. And then Tylen Wallace isn't too far behind at fifth, wide receiver 51 after Devontae Parker. And I think that makes uh, just before Jarvis Landry. So Jarvis Landry down at wide receiver 50. Come on, guys. <laughs> that might be for another show, but I know. Yeah. I know. I just, every time I see that, I just, uh... it makes you sick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're right in the same range for sure. I, I move these guys around. I have so many scribble marks on this thing yeah. and it really doesn't even matter. It's not like this is a graded paper. If it was, I'd have a lot of red checks on it though, <laughs> because I feel like I'm going to get these wrong. I had Marshall at 46 and went with Wallace right after him at 47. So behind Pittman in front of Corey Davis, um, at this point, Ryan, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. It felt like I was it was a lot more guessing rather than placing. So much guessing. You know, there's so many, so many different factors that are going to change this over the next, over the coming months, where they land, what offense they're in, what quarterback they're attached to. It feels like I, it was a little bit of pin the tail on the donkey. I just kind of picked a spot, and then every time I looked at it, I moved them three or four spots each time. Yeah, yeah, that's all true for sure. I, I do think the the five players that we've mentioned so far: Chase, Smith, Waddle, Moore, and Bateman we're all uh, pretty well established coming into this season, uh, both from um, based on what they, you know, put up in, in, in games and how they had produced and as well as their fantasy value. Uh, Terrace Marshall is, is the guy really who had a breakout season this year for LSU. And of course that uh, was, was aided with, uh, with Jamar Chase, stepping aside and, and opting out. So I think dynasty players, the the average typical dynasty player, you know, they knew those names of Bateman and, and Waddle and Chase and Moore, but Marshall's in some ways kind of the, the new kid on the block. So I, I do think we'll see a gap between those five and Marshall. But if you look at mock drafts and if we're to believe that he's, he's also a player who's being projected as a first rounder. So I could really see him, gaining some value uh, and kind of picking up uh, some spots on some of these others. I had him in that same range, though. I had him as wide receiver 44, but I did have a gap between he and, and the other players that we'll talk about. All right, let's get right into those guys, Ryan. Would You know, there's a few guys worth mentioning beyond that big group and, and after Marshall. What are your, your feelings on it, on these guys? Because... Um, we're talking about the range of guys like Brandon Cooks and Jarvis Landry, who Matt mentioned, Christian Kirk and Henry Ruggs, Robbie Anderson, Gabriel Davis. These It seems like guys, these wide receivers like Amon Ra St. Brown out of USC and Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, guys that we should probably mention here, they're going to fall in that in that wide receiver 45 to wide receiver 60 range somewhere. Right, right. So, and you'd also mentioned Tylen Wallace. I, I think I left him out. Yep. I had Wallace as wide receiver 50 between Michael Gallup and Curtis Samuel. Um, and then I had St. Brown and Elijah Moore grouped together, 55 and 56. That would put them between Christian Kirk and Henry Ruggs. And again, it's it's the same thing. I, I said that would be the theme of the, of the discussion. The depth of the position. Christian Kirk as... Uh, outside of the top 50 wide receivers. Henry Ruggs, obviously a, a disappointing rookie season, but still a player who was a first-rounder in, in a lot of rookie drafts last year, also outside of the top 50. Um, so putting these incoming rookies down in that range is not 
not necessarily uh, a negative thing or, or a slap in the face or anything. Yeah, we, the ADP that we were looking at, I mentioned some of the names. I, I put them right in the same range. Wide receiver 51 and 53, St. Brown and Moore. Um, Devontae Parker, Curtis Samuel, Michael Gallup, right, those, the names right around them. Uh, Matt, how about you? Do you have anything to add on St. Brown or Moore? No, I, I kind of, was, as I was looking at our at our January ADP for wide receivers here, I kind of drew a line in the sand just after Mecole Hardman because it seems like just looking at the players that come after him, I think we're going to be, you know, the community in general is going to be more excited about uh, any of these wide receivers, really, that we've talked about today ab- above that line. So I kind of put them just below Mecole Hardman. If we add those seven wide receivers we already talked about to Hardman's ADP at 54, that puts 50, uh, Hardman at, at uh 61 so i guess it puts these two at 62 and 63 um but you know this whole exercise man that's valuable that that sounds like a steal it does it does however it does make me and this may be completely wrong and and, and in general i do go towards the running backs and rookie drafts just because you get that immediate production and the the premium on the position and all that kind of stuff but i mean there are so many good wide receivers like we could get down to the 60s and we're still talking about guys we're excited about having our teams you know so i think it it it, it, it other than those top five guys, which I think do have legitimate, you know, top 24 upside, uh, maybe even in their rookie year. Like, it just seems like I want to take shots at running back other than these guys, because if, if, if I can get, you know, if I can get Miko Hardman for half the price of Terrence Marshall, I, I might want to do that. If I can get uh, Christian Kirk and Jarvis Landry at a half or a third of the price of these guys, then like that's something that I'm fine plugging in for a lineup for to, to, to get to get those points each week and then focus the, the true capital over on other positions. So that's really my takeaway from this whole exercise with the wide receivers that as much as I like a lot of these guys in this class, like they're going to be more expensive than guys that are going to be putting up similar points at least for the next year or two, uh, except for those guys that have you know the ultra upside at the top. I did just want to throw in it. It feels like we've we've hit on a lot of players today at this wide receiver position, and I'm, there's a lot more. Right. First of all, there's a lot more. I mean, we didn't talk about Kadarius Tony. We didn't talk about uh, Diami Brown, and and then there's there's even more if you want to go deeper than that. And and obviously we will in the coming weeks and months. But I hear a lot of times, you know, they're not all going to hit, or they're not all they're there just can't be this many that really have that value. You have these guys too high, all these things. And I understand all of that, but when we, we've been focused to do this exercise, we've been focused on the top 50 wide receivers from our January ADP, which obviously did not include Chase and, and Smith and these other guys. But out of that top 50, 12 of those players were 2020 rookies, 12 wide receivers, from the 2020 class in the top 50. And there's a case to be made that this class is as good, or, or even if it's a notch below or whatever, it's got the star power, the top end talent guys that we mentioned, those top five guys. And then you mentioned Tony. Uh, we talked about Wallace dynamic, Diami Brown, uh, Tamori and Terry is a intriguing guy and a name to keep in mind as well. Uh, you know, it's so deep that, you know, when you when you think about 12 rookies from the 2020 class and the potential for for another 10 or 12 to come out of this class and be that impactful, that's how you get Jarvis Landry all the way down in the 50s, Matt. Yeah, and I'll 
if you want to if you want to trade me uh, uh, Jarvis Landry for your late second round pick, so you can pick up Diami Brown, I'll take it. <laughs> right, <laughs> those kinds of deals are going to be uh, in this marketplace throughout the entire uh, off season and and maybe even into the twenty twenty one NFL regular season. Uh, we should get to these tight ends guys, because although last year the class was maybe a little bit down and although there are some guys that we're developing on our rosters, it didn't really have that top end talent. That is not the case. Obviously this year, guys, um, so, so, so good. Kyle Pitts, turn on the tape and take a look at him. He's a lot of fun to watch. A guy that a lot of a lot of rookie rankings, Ryan, have him in the top five, six, seven overall. Expect him to go in the middle of the first round. And and Pitts is a difficult guy to really get a beat on as far as his uh, ultimate upside, or at least maybe his ADP for this month in the initial month of ADP for these rookies. Outside, you know, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, they're probably locked in in the top three, Ryan. But after that, you can start talking about Pitts and his upside. Yes, and that's the exact mindset I had when I was trying to project where where Pitts might land. Because of that, that's exactly where I put him. Uh, I thought he would be tied in four behind those those three players who are obviously pretty well established, very well established. Um, and really that was not only based on the expectations for Pitts and uh, really the hype that is surrounding him already, but it's also just based on the, the overall tight end landscape. It's, it's clear if whatever your, your fantasy football community is, if it's Twitter, if it's message boards, if it's a, a Discord, whatever it is, the, the sentiment was out there of just how gross the tight end position was not only this year, but really the past few years. I think the difference this year is we expected breakouts from so many of these guys, and it it just didn't happen. And a lot of them were fine, were good, uh, but very few of them were great. And, and of course, I think a lot of people think Kyle Pitts could be great. So I projected him as as tight end four uh, between Waller and Mark Andrews. All these NFL mock drafts have him going in the top 12 to 15. I see so many with the Giants taking him at 12 yeah. overall. That's a that's a really common one, and I always kind of scratch my head at that one. Uh, I I went I was a little I wasn't quite as aggressive. I went with Pitts right after Mark Andrews, so tight end five. I thought Andrews because he's still young and has had the big season, followed that up with a pretty good campaign in 2020 that he might still come in ahead of Pitts. Um, I don't fault anybody for taking Kyle Pitts fourth among tight ends, though, because of that upside. He's, he's got the Kittle-Kelsey upside for sure. Matt, where do you have Kyle Pitts? I, I was the same place as you, just after Andrews. Um, I, I guess for the same reasons. I flirted with putting him behind Hawkinson, too, coming off a really good season. And I do think that you know because we know that these tight ends take – sometimes three years to develop, especially for ones that are injured like Hawkinson. We forget how much we like Hawkinson and Fant, you know, like I don't know if we felt about them the same as the, 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 the hype behind Kyle Pitts right now, but I think we had him, you know, in that first round discussion for sure uh, of rookie dress. Right. So, you know, and it's, and it's interesting because if we do as good as Pitts is, if we do have to wait on him for production for two to three years, like we have for most of these guys, right. Uh, you know why wouldn't and you're and you're in a competing uh, uh, competing mode for 2021, and you could move 
let's say you have this, I don't know, the seventh pick, the sixth pick might be what it takes to get get a guy like that. If you could take that and then trade it straight up for some production in the form of Andrews and Hawkinson and be ready to roll for your championship run, like that seems like a move I might be willing to w- wait if we think that, that, that Pitts lands in a place where we're going to have to wait wait on him. You know what I mean? So if you're a young rebuilding team and you you don't mind uh, waiting for a couple of years for you know top five to, to ten production, then sure, take Pitts as your guy and wait on him. But if you are ready to go this year, like what – I don't, I'm not sure what advantage he offers over these guys that we already know are good and have done it in the NFL. Yeah, I, I see that with the immediate upside, but I think I can speak for, for anybody that's watched Kyle P- Pitts when I say he has that tight end one type of upside, the guy who can go out there and carry a fantasy roster to a win on week in, week, week out basis. He can be George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. He's that athletic and, and just uh, – dominating down the field he he uh he makes linebackers look awfully silly in the open field uh and has a knack for getting open I struggled a little bit I had Hawkinson ahead of him one spot ahead of him right away but I just thought that that the community would love that shiny new toy want want to move him up just a little bit that's why I put him at four uh, it is a little difficult, and I wanted to bring this up with Pitts, especially before we get where he actually fell in ADP, Ryan. I'm sure you have that there. Uh, pricing this guy at his at his really above his rookie ceiling, I think most people would, would say it's going to be difficult for Pitts to put up a top five tight end season as a rookie. It's so rare at that position. Does that factor into these decisions for you, especially when you're – when you're, you know, the ADP probably suggests you're a middle of the road team, uh, a team that's a fringe playoff team, taking him at five, six, seven, eight in a rookie draft. Does that does that weigh in for you, Ryan? Are you are you thinking about that when you're taking him and you're expecting him to take a couple of years to really put up those kind of numbers? Yeah, I think it has to. I'm, I mean, honestly, I, I would not take him um, as high as I expect him to go in rookie drafts uh, just because we've seen it so consistently with the rookie tight ends and including the ones who were first rounders. And that includes Fanton Hawkinson. That includes uh, the, the group of Ingram and, and Howard and David and Joku. All of those guys were in that first round range. Um, even going back to Eric, Tri- Ebron, e- Eric Ebron and Tyler Eifert, all of those players to different uh levels have produced but none of them have maintained that value none of them um even even Fant and Hawkinson who I would consider having uh productive rookie seasons and and uh we could say the same about their their second season they lost value based on ADP from their rookie year they did for sure and it it's really interesting because you know, just looking at Hawkinson and Fant alone, they they completely, um, they really they do what we expected them to do. Those those guys come in and, like you said, they had the nice rookie season, put up decent numbers, and then had a relatively good follow up. You could even say that Hawkinson in his second year, uh, maybe maybe outplayed what some would have expected him to do in that offense. So. For a guy like Pitts to just come in and not even know a landing spot and immediately he pops in ahead of those guys, it speaks to to how quickly these tight ends fall out of favor among among the dynasty community. 
it makes me sad, but I really don't think I'm going to have any Kyle Pitts. Like, unless yeah. I get trade, maybe, and we say this a lot and it never works out, right? We did this with like Evan Ingram and, and, and that OJ Howard class and that. You know, Evan Ingram had an amazing rookie season. Um, but we had this conversation about, uh, don't draft him, don't pay the premium to draft price to, you know, get him cheaper the second or third year, right? And that may not happen with Pitts, but I bet you it comes cheaper than tight end four prices. Even if it's, even if it's not like a cheap price, I bet it's cheaper than tight end four. So don't leave us hanging any longer, Ryan. Where does Kyle Pitts fall among this data that you're collecting right now? Yeah, this is one I nailed. He's tied in four. And wow. He is behind the three that you would expect of George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and Darren Waller. And he's ahead of Mark Andrews and everyone else. Ooh, wow. that it, It's interesting. There's a lot of people, a lot of TJ Hawkinson homers shaking their head right now. They're saying, I can't believe all three of you put him in front of Hawkinson. And then to hear that ADP, maybe that's even more shocking to him. There's a couple more tight ends that we need to talk about, guys, because th- there's some upside in this class outside of Kyle Pitts for sure. And that starts with... Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. Man, he's a he's a fun target to watch. He's he's a big guy, uh, a bowling ball with the ball in his hands after the catch, and really projects as that that three down tight end, a guy that can block a little bit, but also stretch the field and be the security blanket and big red zone threat that we all like out of our tight end targets. He's an interesting name for sure, Matt. You've been watching him a little bit. Where do you where do you see him falling in ADP right now? I think we're going to see him as I might even be too conservative conservative on this, but I think we're going to see him as a back end tight end one somewhere in, in the tight end ten or eleven range around maybe after Hunter Henry before Mike Gesicki. And I think this Evan Ingram tight end nine. I think that's going to change. I mean, especially if they draft Kyle Pitts, right? So I think that's going to change. So somewhere in that like eight to ten range is where I think I would see him. Just and again, that's that's just really a reflection on the on the on the position itself. So that second rookie coming off the board, Fryermuth, I think is going to be a, a back end tight end one. What's really nice one. about him, and we talked about it with the wide receivers, instead of paying the mid-first-round price on yeah. Pitts, you can get him in the mid-second round. So a lot cheaper to add to your roster. I would take him in that range that you're talking about, I Matt. would too, yeah. Uh, right after Henry, it felt like the right spot. I'd take him in front of Mike Gusecki and guys like Logan Thomas and Jonu Smith. I think, though, he'll be either 12 or 13 after Gusecki or after – Thomas, I, I penciled him in at 13, so just outside the tight end ones. But I'm comfortable with that, and I think that's pretty close to where he'll be, Ryan. Yeah, he's not one we have completed data on yet, so I, I can't give the the actual landing spot for Friar Uh I was a little bit lower on him, though, compared to you guys. I had him at tight end 14. That would put him between Logan Thomas and Johnny Smith. And uh, while I don't have that startup ADP, I will give a plug. We've got uh, our rookie ADP, both for one quarterback and for super flex leagues, already posted on the site. So go check that out right now if you're a subscriber to DLF. And Friar Muth is the 24th overall player. So I know, Dan, you threw out maybe a mid-second rounder. Maybe based on this, he's a, he's a late second rounder, and I definitely like that value. Yeah, I like that for sure. And and maybe another guy that's going to create that kind of value and you can 
You can give us this information on Brevin Jordan, uh, Miami tight end, real real similar guy to Fremuth and, and or Fryermuth, and and seems like a guy maybe that is picking up a little bit of steam and and might pick up a lot of steam throughout this offseason process. A guy that I've recently really got on board with and feels like if he's slipping into the later part of the second round or even into the third round of rookie drafts could be a real bargain. I had him right after Fryermuth, so in front of Jonu Smith once again, in front of Cole Komet, Irv Smith Jr., these kind types of guys. I think I'd roll the dice on the upside of a Fryermuth or a Brevin Jordan overtaking some of the veterans I, I listed or, or even the younger guys like Komet and Irv Smith Jr. Ryan, what are your thoughts? I totally agree. Um, I, 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 although I did have him a little bit lower, I, I think he's another player who's going to be able to move up the boards. In our projection for startup ADP, I had him at tight end 18. That would put him between Irv Smith and Tyler Higby. And in our rookie ADP, I think a lot of people, uh, everybody, at least everybody I know, except maybe our buddy Addison Hayes, has Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. as the tight end one. Um, but then I think most people are, are just kind of grouping Fryermuth and Jordan together, and that's exactly what we saw in our ADP. Fryermuth is 24 overall. Brevin Jordan is 25 overall. Mm, another nice value for sure. Matt, what are your thoughts on Jordan uh, compared to Fryermuth? Because it really feels like these guys are going to move up and down together unless somebody really separates themselves. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, I had him. I actually had him right in the same range as as, as Ryan did, just uh, just after Irv Smith and Tyler Higby before Austin Hooper. So that that kind of mid to to late tight end two range, and I, I think that. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, if we see him come in and produce right away, we're talking. Brevin Jordan, I think, is going to be, you know, primarily a pass catcher, right? So right. he's going to have to find the offense that wants to integrate him that way. He's not probably not going to play a lot of in line tight end. Um, so he's going to have to go to the right place. He's going to have to go to the right, uh, the right system. So uh, that's where I would see him in that range. And that's you know that's based on. Um, you know, rookie hype. I think. I think he has potential to fall lower than that if he doesn't go to the right situation. I think he could easily fall into that tight end, back end, tight end two range around you know twenty to twenty four somewhere in there. But right now, while we're especially as we're building up to the rookie drafts, I think we're going to see him in that that late teens, teen range. Yeah, because you know Baltimore or Cleveland or or San Francisco or something, they're, they're going to draft one of these guys and just totally ruin the, the dynasty value of them. And they're going to slip into the end of the third round rather than the end of the second. Uh, it seems like it happens every single year with a tight end that we like, or, or at least one on our rosters. Guys, we covered all four positions over the last couple of weeks. Talked about the quarterbacks and running backs last week. Now we got the wide receivers and tight ends under our belts. We're going to get into more of these rookies. A lot of other things to talk about for sure as well as we move along through this offseason. We want to thank each of you for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Dan hates games.